since probably 1990, Woody Woodson has been coming uh, to Victory, one of the first, if not the first, guest speakers that we ever had. He's always had a word, instant, in season. Woody was, first met Woody in 1982, Victory Christian Center. He was a teacher in Victory Bible Institute, taught many classes, but the one that really helped change my life was righteousness. And uh, he's just a powerful man of God. He and his wife, Pam, Woody has brought some books with with him. Uh, they'll be available right after the service. But he just has always had um, a word in season for this ministry. So let's give him a warm welcome as he comes. Woody, come on up here, brother. Jesus. If you're loving Jesus, you can sit down. If you don't, stand up so I know who you are. So, no. <laughs> I don't, definitely don't want to work too hard tonight, so. <laughs> a couple of quick, everyone has announcements, but we do have three books back there that are very important, and Righteousness Revealed, if you probably have taken Righteousness here, you probably have used it as a textbook, but it is a classic. Until you understand righteousness, you cannot live by faith on a regular basis. Because the righteous man shall live by faith. And you'll live, end up living off your feelings until you understand what God did for you by granting you the gift of his righteousness. Amen. Come on now. Uh, revival Roar. I don't even know what printing we're in now. We're about ready to get another printing now. Is gone wild, and it's basically, I, I do see revival. I, everywhere I go, I get people saying I see revival. And we're seeing it take, all, take over. But it also is a prayer manual for revival. You know, and I, I, I believe God wants, how many of you believe God wants a major move of God in this nation? Come on. So I believe that's a tool. And the last thing my wife put out was how to hear the shepherd's voice and if you, if you can't hear the voice of God, you won't be at the right place at the right time doing the right thing in the right way with the right people. And be honest with you, you can get general guidance through the Scripture, but specific guidance comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, the Scripture will teach you, tell you who not to marry, what type of person not to marry. But the Holy Spirit will tell you who to marry. Come on now. So we, 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 we need to be literally tuned on in. Now, now tonight, I, you know, now we do have a signed-up sheet for those who want to support us. We're, we're doing a lot of youth explosions. It's amazing to me that, you know, we're doing some meetings this year where I get 30 and 40 youth groups coming together. And, you know, I said, Lord, do you know how old I am? He said, I'm older than you are. I work with them. I said, Lord, I'm not cool anymore. He said, you never were. <laughs> I just don't even have the energy to fake it anymore. So, but guess what? I, you know, I am like Samuel prophesying into David. Come on now. And in order for David to be a king, he had to have a prophetic voice to activate his calling. And that's what I'm doing around the country. And you can help support that. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you go to Philippians 3? I'll eventually meet you, meet you there. I'm going to have some fun tonight. I'll have enough fun for all of us. Come on. But God gave me this, you know, he told me this year would be a year of release. And he, 
And he gave me actually Malachi 4.2 to begin with, but I'm not preaching on that. I'm just going to share it with you. That literally the son of righteousness, S-U-N, because it represents a new day. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. He said, we're going to be like calves released from a stall. Come on. We well, you know, many of us, we've been living in a place too limited for us. And I believe for the last 12 years or so, this nation, if you survived, you did well. It wasn't gospel friendly. But something's changing. Come on now. Something's changing. And it's time, honestly, the gate is open, so we're like calves released, and we're going to come out on fire. Because we're going to tread upon the wicked. We're not praying about wicked people, but wicked spirits. Come on. And we literally, it's going to be like ashes. And we're going to come out skipping, which means our youth is going to be renewed like the eagles. Come on. And it's said in the midst of that, prophetic anointing is going to hit this nation. Where the spirit of Elijah will literally come and hit the nation. Where God will turn the hearts to the father, to the children, and the children to the father. And that right relationship will avert a curse. Come on. I believe we're coming there. I believe this is a year of release. And I believe there's a prophetic progression to everything. So let's go to Philippians 3. I'm going to talk about prophetic progression, but I'm going to stay on one area tonight mostly. So I believe in the office of the prophet. I believe too many churches have become non-profit organizations. And they've become unprofitable. I love the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I love... Uh, I, I, I love my, you know, the prophetic ministry. I mean, it's just something that's been in me for years. And, you know, but Philippians 3, 7 says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish in order they may gain Christ. It may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I may know him, not know about him, but I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. I'll be honest with you, wherever you're suffering tonight, you need a fellowship with his suffering. If you have sickness and disease in your body, you need a fellowship with the stripes of Jesus, because by those stripes you were healed. If you're feeling rejected, you need to go back to the cross where he was rejected by all men, even by his father. Come on now. He's touched with the feelings of you. If you, if you, if you have financial need, he became poor on Calvary. That through his poverty, you might be made rich. So you, you, any area of your life you're in need, you've got to go back and fellowship with his sufferings because he suffered to meet your need. Come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, you know, we, too many times we fellowship with our sufferings instead of his. Come on. So we stay suffering. But, you know, literally, that I may know, and you know, being conformed to his death in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or already have become perfect. But I press on. How many people understand the press is on? I press on. In order, come on. That, you know, you know I, that, but I press on. The, you know, basically, in order that I may lay hold of for that which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Come on. 
There's a tremendous power of being forgetful. The problem is we forget what we need to remember. And we, we, yeah, we remember what we need to forget. And you must never regret what God's chosen to forget. So anytime that you have sinned or anything, you've, if you've confessed it, there is no record in heaven of it at all. He chose to remember your sins no more. If he chose not to remember it, you must choose not to remember it. Come on now. So one of the good news that I can tell you today is shame off you. Because most of our shame is in our regret. So shame off you. Come on now. So, you know, but we see the prophetic progression. You see in this thing, everything begins and ends with the presence of God. If we don't draw God, we haven't had church. Come on. This not, this not a meeting about him. It's a meeting with him. And if you don't meet with him today, you haven't had church. Come on. Everything's about his presence. But you can't hang around his presence any length of time until he starts talking purpose. He will begin to, to introduce you to you. You can't even know yourself apart from him. Because he gave you gifts. He gave you abilities. Let me say something to you. If you don't get anything else, you can write this down. It's a great one-liner. But more than that, it's a great truth. Then no one has a right to define you who didn't design you. No one has a right to define you who didn't design you. So the only one that has a right to define you is God himself. Come on now. So you see that. You, you see that you hang around God, and he begins talking purpose. And if you hang around long enough, he'll give you the power to fulfill the purpose. But everything, once again, comes with the presence of God. And understand, before a man can see God, God must have first sought the man. We pursue God because and only because he put the urge in us to pursue him. Everything begins and ends with the grace of God. You know, it's not you trying to do it. It's just a yielding to him. I remember, you know, a while back, you know, I was right before I was preaching this. The Lord told me, he, he, he said, before you get out to the people, I want you to ask them this one question. May I have this dance? I said, what? He said, I want to dance with my people. I want to dance with my people. I began thinking about how people, how the Lord was, you know, many times, you know, people would dance before the Lord. Worship him and dance. Come on. And, I, you know, I began to realize how much God wants to do life with you. See, our biggest problem is we're so busy doing things for God, we're not doing them with him. And there's not a whole lot of anointing doing things for God. There's anointing and fun doing things with God. That literally God says, I want to do life with you. I'm wild about you. Come on. He, he, you know, the reason why we should desire his presence is he desires ours. Come on. He, he, he already knows us and he still loves us. You know, he knows about everything. In fact, Revelation 3, 19, 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him and him with me. He, God said, I want to eat with you. 
He said, not only do I want to eat with you, I want to bring the meal. Come on, I like that. And he said, not only do I want to bring the meal, I asked God about that. I said, God, God, how come if you stand at the door and knock, and that's written to the church, how come we don't open the door? And you know, God will use, how many of you understand God uses uh, things that you know? And I love porches. Honestly, when I buy them at my next house, I am going to have a house with a porch all the way around. I really don't even care about the house. I care about the porch. I love porches. I absolutely love southern homes where you have a scene from every direction. You know, there's something about a porch. Now, we have a small house in Tulsa with a small porch. And many times, you know, we, I use this situation, but many times people will come to our house unannounced, sometimes even relatives. <laughs> and we'll, you know, we'll hear the doorbell ring, and my wife will say, check who's there. So I'll look out the window, and there's her mom on the porch. <laughs> I say, it's your mama. He said, don't let her in. That means the house is not clean. <laughs> Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying? I believe the reason we don't let God in is the house is not clean. We're ashamed of certain areas. In fact, when I buy, but when we build our next house, we're going to have a big house. Because the first three rooms, we're not going to live in them. We're going to have a bathroom and, and you know, a living room and, and another room there. That, and it's all, never, no one's ever going to live in that room. It's for the people on the porch. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but God already knows. He, 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 said, he knocks on the door. He said, not only do I want to eat with you. He said, let me in. I'll clean house. Let me in. You've tried hard enough. And most of the rooms are dirty, are dirty, even though you've tried to clean them. You've tried them over and over and over to clean them, and you can't do it. So let them in. He's not ashamed of them. He knows they exist. You're not hiding the fact from him that you have these problems. Just let them in. Come on. There's freedom in letting God clean your house. What I love about God is it seems like his answer to every problem is eating. And I like that. Because to be honest with you, my entire family is like little big people. You know, my grandma was five foot by five foot. My dad was 5'5 five five by 5'5, five five and we bought a Polaroid camera to take pictures of his toes so he knew what they looked like. When I saw SpongeBob SquarePants, I knew he was related. In fact, I, I, I got my family born again by just telling them about the greatest meal ever. Marriage supper of the lamb. I say, you know, I, I told him, I said, hey, the meal ticket is Jesus. No Jesus, no eat. But God literally says, he sets a table in the midst of your enemies. He said, literally, when everything's going wrong, we need to partake of his presence. Eat in the presence of God. Eat in the presence of God. Literally, partake of him. He said, how, how do you know when you eat enough when you don't know there's any problems anymore? 
Be, be honest with you, the moment you recognize him, the problems don't look big anymore. The reason they look big is because we're not in the presence, not the manifest presence. So this makes sense. See, I, I've learned that if you're hungry, you get filled. You'll get as much of God tonight as you want. <laughs> Some of you, you don't want much, you won't have much. Some of you, you want to eat like a glutton with God, that's a good thing. Come on now. Hallelujah. See, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. And if you taste, you'll see the Lord's good. I remember years ago, there was a president that said he smoked marijuana but didn't inhale. That was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm sorry, that is dumb, man. You know, why would you? But I go to churches all the time. And I can tell the inhalers. <laughs> and I can tell the fakers. Come on now. The fakers are you know, they're pretending. But there's the inhale. Oh, God. He's the most high. Whatever you need, he's here. Inhale, inhale, inhale. You need a healing? The healing's in the air. Inhale. He's in the presence. Inhale. Whatever you need, you need provision. Inhale. Come on. He's the most high God. <laughs> I'm not talking about religion, man. I'm talking about the deep that calls on the deep. You know why deep calls on the deep? The ones that answer it want more. See, most people will settle for the shallow. Just enough. When God's a God too much. Revival is when you overflow, 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 overflow. Revival comes out of the presence of God. Revival comes when you get so overcome with God that honestly other people begin to get what you got because, you know, when you begin to overflow, your bank's harvest begins to take place. Come on now. You know, you know something's radical when not only your Soul longs for him in Psalm 63, 1, but your flesh begins to yearn for him. Well, you say, God, God, I want, I, you know, some of the things I don't like sometimes with, and I'm word of faith to the bone, but some of the things I don't like is I'm not moved by what I feel because a lot of times they become unfeeling. I'm not moved by negative feelings. But to be honest with you, if I haven't felt God in a long time, something's wrong. I need to feel them from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Not every day of my life, but most of the days. You know, my wife and I, we've been married 38 years, almost 39. And, you know, I said I do. I still do to this day. Still do. Sometimes by faith, but I do. <laughs> but the bottom line is that you know, if the only time we were intimate was our honeymoon, something's wrong. I need the touch. So do you. See, many times you got saved with a touch. We haven't been touched since, and God wants to touch you. He wants to touch you and make you new again. Come on now. He wants to make himself real. He, he wants you to feel him all the way from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. He, want, he, he literally wants to rock your world so you can rock this world. Come on. 
See, see, I, I found out as you see him, you're changed. It's only as you see him, you're changed. See, this, see, this is eternal life that you know him. That's John 17, 3. This is the eternal life. Not know about him. Know him. And if there's anything in me, I just want people to get to know him. You know, I know him, but I want to know him more. Come on. You know, and the older you get, the less you realize you know. But I know him that from the beginning. I got a track record with him. I may not know everything, but I know him. Come on. And I want to know him more and more and more. I want to get to a place where he said, when he says, seek my face, my response is, thy face, O God, will I seek, like Psalm 27, verse 8. See, a lot of people know the hand of God. They don't know the face of God. They know what God's doing. That's why I always tell people, I said, don't, don't, don't embrace the move of God. Please don't. Embrace the God of the move. Because if you embrace the move of God, when he stops moving that way, you're going to be stuck because you were worshiping what he did instead of who he is. But if you embrace the God of the move, you will never m- miss a move of God. Come on now. Does this make sense? I remember years ago, I, I was scheduled to preach, and I was under a, a 4,000 seat tent, and uh, that week I was preaching with Jesse DePlantis and, 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 and Mauro Murillo and Tommy Barnett. It was a pretty good group of people. And it was my night to preach, and I'm in a you know, guest hotel where they're, they're sponsoring this thing, and I'm in the elevator, and this guy looks over at me and says, have you ever heard of this Woody Woodson dude? And he had, to, he had this big Bible, so I, I knew he was going to the meeting. Now I'm tickled. I said, yeah. Then he looks at me and said, I'm his best friend. I don't have a clue who this guy is. But I'm so happy to have a new best friend. I said, really? He told me things I didn't know about me. He talked about my wife named Pat. I have a wife named Pam. Pam and Pat sound alike, but one letter will get you killed. Come on. He said, I've, I've been to every one of his meetings. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, so have I. He said, it's weird. I've never seen you there. I said, it's weirder. I've never seen you there. Well, we're under a 4,000-seat tent. That's what I'm preaching. So I can't wait to get to the meeting because I'm tickled now. So I see one, the, the head usher. and I, I, The first 150 people are my people. They're pastors, elders, or relatives. Because I want at least 150 people who liked me. So I, but I have free, a couple of free seats. And this guy's my best friend. So I go to the head usher. I said, put him on the front row. I got to see this. Put him on the front row. <laughs> so sure, I don't know if he's saved to this day, but I enjoyed myself. I, even, I went down and greeted my best friend. That's my best friend. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to talk to him afterwards. I, I sure hope it went okay, but I enjoyed myself. 
He knew some things about me. That's what we know about God. We need to know God. How many of you know it's, it's very possible for God to be in a place and you don't know it? I mean, I, I think of Jacob. You think of it. He had a v- dream or vision of angels going up and down a ladder. And afterwards, he makes this statement. God was in this place. And I knew it not. I said, you've got to be kidding. But, you know, how many of you understand? We've all been there. We look back, we know God was there, but at the time, we didn't recognize him. I, I, what I'm going to do this today is I, I want you to start looking for him more and more and more. The more you look for him, the more he shows up. The more you begin to acknowledge him, the more he guides your path. Come on. He's everywhere. Come on. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent, but he wants to be manifest present in your life. Come on. The glory of God, the manifest presence of God. He wants to begin to show up everywhere. Come on. See, once you found them, don't stop seeking them. And be honest, you didn't find God. God found you. He wasn't lost. I found God. No, no, no. He removed the blinders. He was there all the time. Come on now. But, you know, but honestly, the pursuit begins. Faith earnestly pursues his presence, earnestly seeks God. You know, it's not enough to have faith in the word if you don't want the presence because the word testifies to him. If you refuse to come to him, all you got is a dead word. Come on. See, how many people understand God's not seeking worship? He's seeking worshipers. It's huge, huge difference. He's not really seeking the song as much as the singer. You know, John 4, 23 says God is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Years ago, my son came into my office. And he said, Daddy, how come most people don't hear from God? He's seven years old. And my kid's amazing. You know, I, I, I am so amazed. I'm, I'm blown away by him. You know, I, we went to Google headquarters and actually the office he works in you can't even get to. It's off limits to almost everybody. But I know he hears the voice of God. But I asked him, I said, Joey, how, how do you hear the voice of God? He was seven years old, and he made this statement. It's the best I've ever heard. He said, I worship until the air changes. And when the air changes, I shut up and listen. God inhabits the praises. And what happens is when you draw near through worship, you draw your heart near to God. You draw near to him, he draws near to you. As you begin to worship him, you're in position to hear now. I, and that goes along with 1 Samuel 3.1. It says, The word of the Lord was rare in the days of Samuel the prophet. He was a 12-year-old boy, approximately 12 years old, ministering to the Lord. While he was ministering to the Lord, he heard God say, The word came. The reason why we don't get more words from God is we don't spend time ministering to the Lord. He's always speaking, but we're not in the position to hear. 
Good preaching. Thank you very much. <laughs> Somebody going to get this? And you, you, guess what? It's not hard to be in the presence of God. He's fun. You got a happy pappy. Come on. We're not sad you sees. We're glad you sees. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is full, fullness. God is a blast. He's not religious, by the way. All his jokes are clean, but he's not religious. Come on. And if you don't think God has a good sense of humor, look to the right of you, look to the left of you, look in the mirror. You're all funny. You know, something happened fairly recently with me. I go to Quick Trip all the time. That's the big convenience store in Tulsa. Everywhere you go, there's a Quick Trip. And I usually get my coffee at Quick Trip. I like, I like Quick Trip coffee. So, But they had hired a new person in a Quick Trip I go to. And I was at home for about a week. And this lady's staring at me. Every time I walk in, she's just staring, staring, staring. And I, and I think, does she think I'm a shoplifter? If I'm a shoplifter, I'm not going to Quick Trip. <laughs> Come on. I can do better than that, you know. <laughs> but she's staring at me, and I'm, one, I, I'm becoming a little self-conscious. But I finally came up with, you know, after about a week of pain every time, and she didn't say anything. She, she finally said, I've been watching you. I said, yeah, I noticed. She said, you can't be that happy. I said, yeah, I can. She said, no, you can't. I said, yeah, I can. She said, well, why are you so happy? I said, I got a happy pappy. I, 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 I tell them, I said, I've, I've been adopted. I was adopted by the richest man on the earth. In fact, I, I was adopted. He's so rich. And guess what? He was so kind. I said, my daddy always spoke faith over me, always believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. I said, I said my daddy was the most encouraging daddy that there ever has been. He, he still is. He's for me, not against me. And he gave me literally the family business, which made me rich. It's called the kingdom, by the way. And I said, the good news is he wants to adopt you. And I said, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm talking about God the Father. And I said, Jesus is the only way to the Father. But I said, you have a void in your heart, and that's why you don't understand happiness. Because happiness is not based on circumstances. It's based on having a, a void that's filled. Come on now. That's what it is. I, and, you know, I'm happy every day of my life. People say, you ever down? I said, not very long. I now allow myself occasionally an hour pity party. <laughs> you, that, that may sound weird. I do this. My wife, will, she'll, she can tell you this. I, I do it. I, she'll, she'll want to play my CDs and all that. And the whole, you practice what you preach, man, of God. And I feel like, eh, be quiet. But, <laughs> you know. So I said, honey, just go out shopping. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to have a pity party for about an hour. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to complain. I'm just going to just, you know, 
feel sorry for myself. And I'm saying, I'm setting the timer. <laughs> and when the timer goes ding, I'm going to put on my big boy pants. I'm going to get up, do what's right, get back happy again. But for an hour, I just want to feel sad. <laughs> it's the way I counsel, by the way. People come into me for counseling. I set a timer. I say, you got 30 minutes. Now you can show me your grandkids, talk about anything you want to, but when the dinger goes, oh, you're out of here. <laughs> Come on. But I found out you hang around God. He's something else. How many of you, for those that know their God, they're strong. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength and this joy in his presence. You know your God. You are strong. You do exploits. You're strong and you do. See, I, I remember growing up in churches. Uh, when I first got saved, I got saved in a holiness church. They lived in a hole for years. <laughs> mean people. Got saved by grace. That's the last time you ever heard that word. <laughs> you know? I mean... But I remember I got saved in that church, and, and we used to have the testimony service, and those were the worst services. Wednesday night was testimony time. And, you know, it was like there were only about 10 people showing up, and you'd have to wait forever for anyone to give it. Uh, who has a testimony? Finally, somewhere else, I got saved 40 years ago, got filled with the Holy Ghost. Finally, later on, somewhere, I got, th I mean, I'd raise my hand right away, but I was newly saved, and. They didn't want to call on me. Because when I first, before I got saved, every word out of my mouth was a cuss word. After I got saved, every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word. <laughs> I wasn't totally sanctified yet. But I mean, it was, and you never knew what was going to come out, even in church. So I'd be raising my hand, and they, they didn't want to hear the cussing in church. Finally, they'd have to call on me because nobody else had anything to say. And I said, well, we're, and I'd get up and say, well, blankety blank, blank, this is what Jesus did for me today. <laughs> and I heard God say, clearly, finally, someone who's current. <laughs> now, if I use that language I used to use now, it'd be wrong. Because you outgrow some things. But at that point, my heart was more right than the people there who, who literally had perfectly clean language, but they had no connection. Come on. See, I, God's looking at connections. He's looking at the heart, not the performance. And we have to get back to the place. When duty takes the place of love, joy is quenched. When all that you do, you do because you got to do it. You don't got to, you get to. Come on, you don't got to, you get to. The moment you get to got to, you're depressed. You get to do certain things. You know? And God will tell you, he said, go back, do the things you did at first. Remember where you've fallen from. Get back to your first love. Get back to that relationship where it's fresh and fun again. Get back to where you, you're honestly operating by faith and you're going to the new territories and, and you don't have to be performance bound. You know, God's not looking on the outward appearance. He's looking at the heart. See, in the midst of these testimony services, you know, there was a testimony service one day where God says, I want to testify. I said, what? 
Lord, it's all about you. What do you mean? I, he said, I want to testify of David. He's a man after my own heart. He'll do all my will. Find that in Acts 13. He wants to testify of David. I, I want God to testify of me. And guess what? I, I don't want to be a man just after his, his hands. I don't want to just know his ways. I want to know his heart. I don't share my heart with very many people. Why? Because that makes me vulnerable. I'll, I'll, I'll share my actions. I'll share certain things. I don't share my heart that often. I only share my heart with those that are worthy of my heart. Those who are really after my heart. That's why Jesus didn't commit himself to all men. Because he knew what was in them. Come on. Am I helping somebody yet? See, we got to walk with him. We got to talk with him. We just got to just enjoy him. Let him enjoy us. Come on. Does this make sense? We, we just got to be with Jesus. That's all we got to do. Just be with Jesus. Just be with Jesus. God with us, but are we with him? Come on, just be with Jesus. People will take note if you've been with Jesus. You, you may be unlearned. It has nothing to do with your education. In fact, to be honest with you, when I finally got saved and got in the word of faith, it messed up my good speaking ability. Because I'm an English major and New Testament major. I could actually speak Shakespearean until I started listening to these anointed Texans. (laughs) Oklahomans, they butchered the language. Butchered it, but they were anointed. So I'd listen to their, but eventually I'm talking like they are. But I'm also moving like they are, so I'm okay with it. Come on. You know? I mean, I listen to myself. So, oh, that's why I don't listen to CDs very often. Not my own, at least. It's like, oh, well, you're butchering this. But how many of you understand, the more you spend with Jesus, you, you, you don't wear out walking with God. You can't. Come unto me, all you weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. See, I found out when I'm walking with him, I'm at rest. See, I found out the more you come to Jesus, the more you get in the rhythm of life. There's a rhythm, there's a rhythm, there's a rhythm. As long as you're in your rhythm, you're winning. What the enemy tries to do is get you out of rhythm because when he gets you out of rhythm, he gets you in distress. Come on. There's a perfect rhythm for every one of us. And you learn the rhythm. And many times as you change chapters, God changes rhythm, so you have to stay current with him. So I don't. I found out stress doesn't come to me because of the uh, of the amount of activity. Stress comes to me because I'm not connecting to the power source to handle it. You know, grace will cause you to work harder than them all, but not you, but the grace that's in you. This makes sense. See, all I want to be, I, I want to be like Obadiah. <laughs> you know. David loved the presence of God. He wanted to bring the ark back to Jerusalem, but he didn't read on how to do it, and you don't, you, don't, you don't bring the ark on a new cart. They kind of messed it up. So people actually bring the ark back. They reached out to try to touch the cart as it, stu- as it stumbled, and they ended up being killed by the presence of God. So they put the ark in the house of a guy named Obadiah. I love Obadiah. 
It says, for six months the, in his house was the ark, which represents the manifest presence of God. And the blessing came. So I, I don't seek the blessing. Seek the presence. Because everywhere the presence is, the blessing is. Everywhere the presence is, the manifest presence of God, the blessing is. Period. And as soon as David reread how to do it and did it right, sent them back to get the ark, as soon as they moved the ark, guess what? Obadiah told his family, I'm moving. If the ark is moving, I'm addicted to the presence. I'm addicted to when the ark goes, I got to go. And they literally packed up the family. He became a gatekeeper in the house of God. Come on. I'm asking you, are you addicted to the presence of God? Are you willing to move when he moves? Do you want to seek him face to face? Are you willing to, to do you will do whatever it takes? Several years ago, it was around Thanksgiving, and I told you how much I love to eat. I love Thanksgiving. It's a glutton holiday. <laughs> love it. It's because you're supposed to be a glutton that day. Come on. You know, wonderful food. And I was at Oral Roberts University, and my, my dad had bought me tickets to come home for Thanksgiving, a plane ticket. I'm sitting in the room two days before my plane trip in a quiet time with God, and God says, I want you to stay on campus. I don't want you going home. I said, what? Get thee behind me. Uh, then I started thinking of scriptures I could use against God. And I found one. I said, Lord, you said I need to obey my mama and my daddy. I said, I still live under their home. So I, I honestly believe as long as your kids are under your roof, they must obey you. The moment they're out under, from under your roof, roof, they must honor you. They don't have to obey you. There's a difference. You got, you got to let them grow up. Come on. But when they're under your roof, you're responsible for your roof. Well, I was still under my dad's roof, and I was using that right there. I said, God, dad, my, my dad bought the ticket, and it says obey your parents. Ephesians 6.1, Lord, it's your word. So I'm going to call my dad. Now, I'm going to tell him that I think you told me to stay here. I say, he's newly saved. Chances are he wants, he's going to want me to come home, and I have to obey him. So I called my dad up. I'll never forget that. I said, Dad, I think God told me I'm supposed to stay here on campus, but you already bought the ticket. And the Bible also says I'm supposed to obey you, so if you want me to come home, I'm coming home. And this is what he said. He said, if God told you to stay, why would you ever come home? I said, man, now you get spiritual. <laughs> so I stayed on campus with the other nine foreign students and me. And, you know, I'll never forget that because I ate Thanksgiving out of a can. I felt, oh, you know. And that, back in those days, it wasn't an hour pity party. <laughs> 
I was feeling so bad. But the next day I went to work out at the aerobics. I was frustrated anyway. So I worked out at the aerobics center at ORU. And I started lifting weights. And you got to understand something. You never saw Earl Roberts on campus. You never did. You saw them in chapels and stuff like that, but you never saw him walking around on campus because there's tunnels from one building to another. And basically, he, his life was always under threat. Always had bodyguards around him, and he actually went from tunnel to tunnel and come back up and speak. So, you know, it was sh- I was in such a shock when I'm lifting weights and he comes up. All Roberts walks into the aerobic center. He looks at me. He said, son... Do you mind? Would you like to take a walk with me? I need someone to talk to. <laughs> he said, what's your name? I said, woo, 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 woo. I was so nervous. He's, he said, I used to be a stutterer too. And I'm thinking. <laughs> he asked me, he said, finally, he said, now, what, what, why are you here? And I told him I was called to minister. He said, do you mind if I share some secrets with you? And for 30 minutes, that has been written in the, in the book that, uh, they put out about Oral's life. I'm just one of the chapters is my 30-minute walk with him. And it was, he shared things with me. I felt like my heart was just going to explode. I kept thinking, man, I'm walking with all Roberts, one of the greatest men of the his, in the history of the church, period, any, any generation. And as he's talking, my heart's burning, just like when, when they were walking on the road, the two, two men with Jesus. He opened up scriptures. He began to talk to me how he prepared for meetings. Told me about the persecution you can't expect. He told me how he could tell if there was a demon in the place. And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, God, I I couldn't. You can't pay for that. And all I could think afterwards is, I'll never forget the last thing he said. He said, I, I want to leave you with this. He said, don't ever go out on the platform until you know that you've been clothed with power from on high. He said, I, most of the time I could sense the anointing on me. And he said, when I did, when I prayed for people, it was just like Jesus himself praying. He said, there were times I went out and I, it, 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 the anointing hadn't fallen on me yet. And guess what? Nothing happened. He said, in Luke twenty four forty nine, see to it that you're clothed with power from on high. And my heart just burned. And I began to recognize the importance of the manifest presence of God. Because to be honest with you, you, we we can enjoy ourselves. We can have fun times, but if God doesn't seal it with his presence. You can have good notes, but when you become the notebook, when he writes it on your heart, when it's something you can't get away from, when you have one of those moments where you can't free yourself, but he frees you, where you can't explain it, but you know you've experienced something that you'll never be the same, when the Holy Spirit comes on you mildly and you're changed into another man. I'll close it in this. I tell this story every time, but I don't care. It's my story. Brother Hagen used to talk about the sick bed of affliction. I could tell the story more than he could. I mean, you know, a lot faster than he could. And now I realize why I talk so slow. You get older and you talk slower. <laughs> just happens that way. Whether you like it or not, it just does, man. 
You still think you're moving fast, but hey, that's you. It's like I still run on the inside. <laughs> you know? But years ago when I first got saved, the first thing I had was Acts 16.31. Both me and my household shall be saved. And I, I, my, my great, I was the only one saved in my family. And my greatest desire was to see my entire family born again. In fact, you know, honestly, today, you know, how many of you understand every family, there is one person that is the controller of the family. They're the influencer. You get them saved, the whole family will follow. Period. It's just the way it is. In my family, when I, at, when I first got saved, the influencer in my family was my dad. My dad was a, a genius. My dad was one of the top li- attorneys in America. I called him a professional sewer. My dad had a doctorate from law, Columbia Law School, age 18, went to Princeton, went to Columbia. Youngest practicing attorney, youngest part law partner in the history of New York State at the time. I don't know what it is now. But so I, I, you know, my dad had two things against him when I was praying for him. Number one, he was a rich man. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Not impossible. It's really hard for them to see their needs. Number two, he was an intellectual. And guess what? Faith is of the heart. It's not of the head. You can't totally figure God out. Come on. So I started praying and I was playing, you know, baseball. And I remember, I, you know, he had a law partner that would call me every week and say, your daddy loves you. My dad never told me he loved me until after he got saved. But he had his, he had his man tell me. He'd tell me once a week, your dad loves you. And I'd say, I love him too. And I'd make the guy tell my dad one time. I said, give him a kiss on the cheek because I always give him a kiss on the cheek. Well, I never did. I just want to see what would happen when this guy kissed him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He almost got fired, you know that. (laughs) But, you know, but one day I get a phone call from my dad and the and he, and he says, he said, son, he said, take a deep breath. And I took a deep breath. He said, your mom's committed suicide. He said, I don't know any preachers. By that time, I was ordained with a fellowship of Christian athletes. I was doing teenage work. I'd never preached to adults in my life. I just preached to teenagers. He said, will you do your mom's funeral service? It's the first time I ever preached to adults with my mom's funeral service. And, you know, it was a social event because of my dad's prominence in society. But when I, when I gave the altar call, I had 30 people get born again, and most of all, I got my dad. And he got radically saved. For the first time in his life, he couldn't write a check and make the pain go away, and he couldn't go to a book and understand what took place. He needed God. He saw his need, and then he got radically saved immediately so he said i want to go to church with you i didn't want him to go to church with me i kept praying i said where do i take him to church i want to take him to church sort of charismatic thumbs up you know what i'm saying sort of, sort of charismatic like most charismatic churches now <laughs> you don't have to worry about the holy ghost uh, <laughs> come on let's get real i want him to go to church with her you know they didn't dance and maybe tap the toe they didn't, they didn't raise their hands. They just raised their thumbs. Come on. Where Dr. So-and-so was the pastor. 
Problem was I was going to an inner city church. I wanted to go to a church with a parking lot that was full of Cadillacs and, and, and Mercedes and professional people. And In my church, we didn't have a parking lot. We had a policeman for the three cars that were there, so they'd still be there afterwards. <laughs> we had a guard dog that lived in the church. You know, that's, He literally lived where they kept the money in the, in the office because there was a chimney there. And many times while you were preaching, you'd hear the dog barking, which meant a, that the dog had cornered the thief and we had to go save the thief. Come on now. Come on. Inner city. And we're on the way to the church. And my, my dad, you know, my, you know I, I spent the whole night in prayer. How many of you have ever had this? God, my daddy's coming to church tomorrow. You haven't been moving in the gifts of spirit lately. Don't start tomorrow. <laughs> Lord, you know, you know about the pastor. He's not eloquent. Let him wax eloquent anyway. Let him use more than one syllable words. Lord, you know about Sister Chicken Walk. Every time the Holy Ghost hits that woman, she's, I say, Lord, there's a 24-hour virus going around. Don't kill her, but keep her away. In Jesus' name, amen. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. God didn't hear a word I said that day. Well, we're going to church early. How many of you understand, everyone always sits in the same seats. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't care how big the church is. You know, even at Victor, I guarantee you, uh, you know, they, they know where 3,000 people are every single time. Why? Because they, they rub their scent into their seat. They mark it, and it's theirs, baby. It is theirs. Come on. Because you ever see when someone's sitting in somebody's seat, you know it. Because actually people will come up, and they actually kneel down and sniff a little like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> I marked it. It's mine. Well, Sister Chicken Walk always sat in the middle, so I was getting to church early so my dad wouldn't see Sister Chicken Walk you know, do her thing. On the way to church, my dad says, it's going to be a wild church like a Southern Baptist. I said, I hope so. Everything is going good until the service started. Sister Chicken Walk was late that day because she was doing stretching exercises for the moves she was about ready to show off. All during worship, in fact, she walks in, and, and her seat was always in the middle, but it's empty, and she doesn't sit there. She walks up to me, gives me a hug as though I care. He said, I feel led to sit with you today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All during worship, I got my thumbs up. My dad's on one side. I'm in the middle. She's on the other side. And uh, I'm trying to, I'm really not singing. I'm saying, make her stop. Make her stop. And the Holy Ghost will hit her. And my dad's just staring. That morning, everyone had a tongue. Everyone had interpretation. Everyone had a a prophecy. Some real, some false. God wasn't talking until my dad showed up. Then three big ushers jump on a little lady, cast the devil out of her. Oh. By the time the pastor got up to preach, I wasn't praying anymore. I wasn't working. <laughs> I got my fingers crossed behind my back. Pastor said, you'll never forget my message. I never have. He said, today, church, I want to talk about being heirs of God. I want to stand up and say, heirs, not heirs, heirs. 
But no, we are heirs of God, church. We are joint heirs with Christ. We're split ends. We live as clean hairs, washing in the water of God's Word. And I'm staring at my dad. And I'm thinking, he's professor emeritus at Columbia Law School. He's president of the Bar Association, not the Alcohol Association. <laughs> the Bar. He's, he's one of the top legal minds in the world listening to the hairs of God. <laughs> and I know the service is about ready to end because pastor starts crying. And he says, church, this is serious. In that denomination, you can't preach unless you cry. It's in the handbook. It's why the woman don't wear makeup, I'm sure. He said, church, this is serious. Sometimes a hair backslides. Are you one of God's missing hairs? I said, he's got God going bald. So we're driving home, and it's a miracle, because I'm not saying the word. What are you saying? And my dad looks over at me and said, that was different. I said, yes, sir, it was. He said, hairs of God. He starts laughing. He said, what's he preaching on Wednesday night? I said, are you going? He said, I wouldn't miss this for anything. I mean, within the month, he's on the organ. His sister Chicken Walks Walk because he played the organ. And God so spoke to me a couple of things. He said, when you're ashamed of your church, you're ashamed of your God. And then the Holy Spirit said, you're not ashamed of the Father, you're not ashamed of the Son. But when someone you cared about came to church, you asked me not to express myself. He said, you ever do that again? I'll never express myself in your presence again. And I'll be honest with you. If it can be the Holy Ghost, we're going to go with it. If it might be the Holy Ghost, we're going to go. If there's any possibility, it's the Holy Ghost. We're going with it. I'm not worried about wildfire. I'm more concerned about no fire. Come on. If it gets out of boundaries, we put it back in. But we're going to have a move of God. Just the way it is. Yeah. But then my dad said something else, and we're going to pray for you in a second. But this goes right along with the only reason I shared it or worked it in. Was he said, he said the pastor wasn't very bright. I said, no, sir, he wasn't. He said, but there was a different presence in the place. Now, you got to understand something. My dad had been saved less than 24 hours. He had just seen his wife put in the ground. But he still was spiritually in tune to know the difference when the presence was there. And it didn't turn him off. Didn't turn him off. I get so tired of people who think God's presence is going to turn people off. You know, to be honest with you, if he's not showing up, something's wrong. Be honest with you, it's only his presence that changes you. Now tonight, you know, if you need something, it's in his presence. He's going to be here. We're going to give you an altar call in a second. If you, if you need free, the deliverer's in the house. He's right here. His presence is here. If you need healing, the healer is here. 
I found out you need provision. The provider is here. Whatever you need, it's in the presence of God. See, we can't give you anything other than him. Apart from him, we got nothing to offer. But I want every head bowed, no one looking around. I just want to ask, I have to ask one question that I need to make sure. Is there anyone here? Maybe you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you walked away and you need to come back. Be honest with you. God's not upset with you. He just misses you. He never condemns you. He just says, come, come unto me. I know you got problems. I'm the problem solver. I know you got chains. I'm the chain breaker. I know you got rooms you cannot clean. That's why I've been knocking. Let me in. I'm not going to shame you. I'm going to remove the shame from you. Is there anyone here today say, I, I want to get my life right? There's an area of my life I got, I, I got to get, 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 give to God. If that's you, raise your hand, anybody. Come on. Come on. I mean, you say, I, I, I need a healing today. I, I need a deliverance today. I, 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 I just want to experience His glory at a whole different level. I want to open myself up for more today. I want to get so much God I can't contain. If you want prayer t- tonight, I, I just say, come on up, come on up, come on up, right where you are. Come on, come on, come on. God's about ready to do some very fresh in here. It's all going to be because of His presence, His presence, His presence. Only Him, only Him, only Him, only Him, only Him. Only Jesus.